Welcome to Cue the Dagger, brought to you in partnership with Inside the Rink. Inside the Rink is your one-stop shop for all NHL news, insight, and analysis. You can follow them on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. I'll be your host, Clifton Ramey, and I'm with my co-host, Logan Rosengard. How are you doing, my man? It's been a wild week for you over there in Kansas, hasn't it? It's probably been the craziest week of my life, and it's still not done. The parade is tomorrow. Uh, so, you know, job's not finished. Still a little bit of celebration to take in. But I I have been on cloud nine since the Jayhawks won the national championship on Monday, Kramer. Like, I, ah, it's crazy. I can't imagine to even know what you're going through right now. The whole school's got to be insane. The city's got to be insane. It's just it, got to be wild. Monday, okay. I'll, I'll I'll paint a bit of a picture. So Saturday and Monday for both the Final Four and the Natty, the city of the city shut down Mass Street, shut down the main street on you know in the downtown strip from 6 a.m. Onward, like there were barricades, you couldn't really drive down Massachusetts Street, uh, give or take a little bit. But like it, the the whole city was like consumed by the Final Four weekend. It was crazy. All of the restaurants and bars were all decked out in you know crimson and blue and Jayhawk regalia uh, in the streets when uh, the police barricades were up so that no one would drive through so that they could keep the streets empty in the case that in the, in the event that we won and we rush mass, uh, there were people doing yoga. There were people riding skateboards and scooters, people just kind of playing music in the middle of the street. And it was a really cool, just a really cool like atmosphere downtown. But when it came time for game time, everyone locked in it. it it's surreal. It's still the, the fact that they won in the fashion that the team won uh, largest comeback in national championship history down 16 points at one point and won. Uh, let's see. So there's that. Uh, this is a hundred years since the Jayhawks first national championship win. Uh, this is Bill self second national championship. It, the, there's a lot of narratives and it, none of it feels real still. It, it's kind of crazy. It hasn't really hit entirely. We're yeah. all like, I, I've been a Jayhawk fan. Some of my friends have been diehard Jayhawk fans their whole life. And it just doesn't feel real. Yeah, that's insane. Good thing you had that going for you, at least because the Hawks yeah. have not been doing good. On no, a it's, six it's, game losing streak. So I, Good it's thing refreshing. you're getting over there and enjoying a national title. It's insane. Um, I wish I could have went through something like that. Never had that opportunity. That's absolutely wild. Um, but we'll go ahead and transition away from your awesome weekend over there and come into the Lonely Hawks who are on a six-game losing streak. And before that, we'll go ahead and jump into a word from our sponsor. Yes, of course, Cliff. And a quick word from our sponsor, and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com, B-E-T-U-S.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. 
Again, use promo code RANK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. Bet US. You bet, you win. You get paid. BetUS.com. Well, since we've last been here, a lot went down with the Hawks. Hawks played a whole bunch of games. Sorry to everybody. We took a little bit of lull, as you can tell. I personally was going to the Florida and the Tampa game. Logan was too busy. Jalen with Kansas going on a national title run. So we took a little while there. Sorry, it won't happen again. Um, but otherwise, let's jump right into the Blackhawks news. Jonathan Tace, Captain Sirius himself, played in game 1000 on March 31st in Florida. I had the opportunity to be there. I made a little poster and everything. Was there for the game. And the Hawks shit the bed, lost 4 nothing. It was absolutely embarrassing. Colin Delia, in my opinion, was trash that night. No rebound control at all. We'll just um, This is a conversation point I wanted to hit when we came on this pod. What do you think about Colin Delia, his rebound control? I watched him in warm-ups that game, and like I said, I was right there in the glass door in warm-ups, got there early, and dude, even in warm-ups, the puck coming out of his glove is like a trampoline just firing right back into the slot, dude. Just awful rebound control. I've never played goalie in any serious capacity, but I can't imagine at the end. I mean, maybe it is different at the NHL level, but for a goalie that has a lot of game experience that Colin Delia does, he still – it sucks because I was super excited for him. Like, this was the op- this is the opportunity for Delia to, like, make his name known again and give him faith, you know, restore faith from the front office. And he just hasn't risen to the occasion. It sucks. Like, I, I, I hate, like, I, I love Colin Delia, and I hate to see him just, like, you know, play horrible and not play up to the standards that, Everyone wants him to play up to, including himself. And that's not to say that he's got awful, but doesn't he kind of looks like shit out there. I'll be honest. Kevin Lincoln, it doesn't look too much better, but it's kind of it's kind of hard to, to play your best when the team in front of you is also playing like shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So after that, after Taze's 1000th game. Then they swapped over, took the three-hour trip back up to Tampa, and then Tampa just dismantled them. So back-to-back bad games. Then we'll we'll go ahead and transition right into the Buffalo game because there's really not much to talk about here with the Hawks. So I'm literally eliminated from the playoffs, so we're just doing quick recaps. Buffalo, this one needs to be talked about. Jonathan Tays, 1,000th game ceremony. Everybody's there, and that's the performance that gets put up. You lose to Buffalo. <laughs> How, how do you lose to Buffalo? I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes did it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. I did that wrong. Buffalo was before. Arizona. <laughs> how do you lose to Arizona on Taze's 1,000th game celebration? Everybody's in the building and you lose to Arizona? Arizona's an NHL franchise, Cliff. Like, it's not like it's a crazy thing that they picked up a win. I mean, they've got guys that have. I mean, we saw how the game went. Like, we both watched the game. Uh, the the Blackhawks suck. Like the team is not good currently, and it's not going to be good for a long time. Like we're out of the playoffs. This is none of these games matter. We're literally just playing to get a paycheck now. Um, it I don't know. Like it it doesn't. It shocks me because it it's Chicago. We have we are a better team. Like we literally have a better top nine forward group. 
our blue line is kind of better on paper than Arizona's. It does suck that we lost in overtime at home on the special milestone night, but uh, nothing, nothing shocks me anymore with the Blackhawks. Nothing. I'm sorry. When you're this team, you have guys like Patrick Kane. You have guys like Alex Brinkett, Dylan Strom's at 20 goals. You should beat a team like Arizona. You have more skill in the roster than Arizona. I know that they blew it up a little bit at the deadline. Arizona doesn't have an NHL roster. They've been one of the most injured teams all year. To me, it's absolutely unacceptable when you're on a three-game losing skid or four-game losing skid because they lost to overtime to Vegas prior to that Buffalo game, which, yeah, we skipped the Buffalo game on purpose, folks. That was embarrassing. Um, but it's always it's embarrassing me- when you lose to a bad team, like especially this. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's a good team or a better team loses to a team that is worse than them. And every single fan in that fan base flips shit like for, for, for good, for good reason. You shouldn't be losing these games. There's a reason that the Blackhawks, um, you know, if we want to get into it, there's a reason the Blackhawks were favored in, in sports books for a reason. They're a better team. It's always embarrassing when you lose games, you're supposed to win. But and to me, it's it's not even just about the loss, man. It's about the effort. Like you're the Buffalo game, you are up, embarrassing to let them come back that much. And then Florida, you don't score a goal, you get shut. We'll jump up to the Seattle game that just happened, and you get shut out again to Seattle. Like it, you get outplayed by Tampa horrendously. I mean, you were kind of played well in the Florida game, I guess, if I want to be nice. And the scoring chances were okay, but you still didn't score a goal. Like, you come out against Arizona, you'll lose to Arizona. Like, you should have won at least one of those games. Like, it's just embarrassing. The effort level's been low. It's got me kind of down on Derek King. I don't think Derek King should be here after the season. I think if Derek King was the guy, the team would be playing hard. That's what you're going to need. You're going to need a coach on a team because they're going to be bad again next year. You want a coach that's going to have your guys at this moment next year playing hard. You want guys like Kirby Doc to finish the season strong. You want guys like Alex Vlasic to finish the season strong. You need Kevin Lincoln if he's coming back to finish strong. Like This is the time where you're starting the momentum for next year. You want young kids to gain confidence confident and go into the offseason with confidence so that they can go and grow their game, not go in in a hole trying to just get their mental capabilities and their happiness back to the right level so that they can perform again. Like you need somebody to push this team and make them play hard right now. It's an NHL game. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Show up and play. There's no reason to take the night off. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Derek King anymore. Like I, I feel similarly in a shorter amount of time, which is bad in some way. I feel similarly to King that I do still with Colleton. King is a good coach. Like there's a reason that he got the promotion that he did for this situation. There's a reason that the front office had the faith in him and probably still does in some capacity that they do in Derek King. I just don't think he is an NHL coach yet, or I should rephrase and I should say that he is not the coach to be to, to lead an NHL team through a rebuild. Um, well, he's definitely not the coach to lead an NHL team to I, championship. I don't. So it just means he's not an NHL coach. I, I mean, you could still. I mean, yeah, 
I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't know what other coaches are out there. I don't really, I mean, who, who, the, who, who do you bring in? Like, I don't. Name wise, I, I can't name a guy off the head. Cause like, obviously there's, there shouldn't go the big name route. Like uh, Tortorella shouldn't even no. be a I, thing. John Tortorella uh, should come nowhere close to the Blackhawks front office. I will. Yeah. Legit, I, it is, it has been okay. It has been impossibly hard to watch the Blackhawks, especially considering that a lot of my like fan devotion the last month and a half has gone towards Kansas basketball. So I have just like naturally lost a little bit of interest. It's harder when the team sucks and it's harder when the, well, maybe less so now that Kyle Davidson's kind of sticking with the plan and, you know, going through an actual rebuild, but the, the, you know, prior to Kyle Davidson kind of stepping in and actually committing, uh, I, I hated the fact that the future of the Blackhawks was always, eh, maybe we could do it this year. Maybe every season it was always, we could make the playoffs, but we also have a fine rot. We also have a fine farm system. And then neither of them balance. Like the future vision for the team sucked ass for the longest time with Stan Bowman because he never wanted to commit to an actual rebuild because we always had the pieces. And I, that, we always had good enough pieces to not suck every to not like suck disastrously every year. This is a different season, but uh, I digress. I, I don't know. We, we, I don't know. I mean, what do you, uh, this, uh, of course not. Do you bring in Mike Keenan? Do you bring in Iron Mike from the KHL? <laughs> I think, I just think the way the NHL is going, you see scorings up this year. You see the point per game players are like double compared to last year. I just think that game's going offensive. I think defense matters. I'm a big defensive guy. I love blocking shots. You got to be organized in your defensive zone. You got to play a very solid system. My favorite, but my favorite player. I want an offensive coach. I, I, we need that. Like, okay. I want a fast-paced offensive. Like, look at the game. Like the Anaheim Ducks play, and I know that they don't have like an old, coach, like a young coach. But like, just look at the way the league goes. Look at Tampa. It's a very open, fast-paced game. Carolina. It's we very Carolina the- plays a very structured game, but it still allows like Tivu Teravainen and Aho to go out and create and you do their the, things. You mean the Hurricanes? Yeah, I just switched over to them after. Oh, okay. But, like, I didn't hear that. Um, but just any of the, like, even, like, the Kings this year, they're tightened up defensively, but, again, they're playing offense. Like, to me, Derek King's system, and maybe maybe we just don't have the players. Maybe that's it. I, I even think... watching Patrick Kane and stuff, like, he's playing almost, like, too systemized. And, like, I think you should allow guys to create and play with speed and leave the system a little bit. Like, I get you want defense, 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 but we can't score goals in Chicago no, all year. I, so. I think – I think it's partially a personnel thing, and I think it's also partially our system doesn't work with this team. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not too educated, admittedly, in, like, coaching systems and running running systems in, in NHL offense or an NHL defensive system. Like, I understand spacing. I understand the game well enough to where, like, I can see when something doesn't look the way that it should or when a player does something they shouldn't or when a team adjusts a certain way on the ice that that screws them over. Like I can tell I can see that, but I'm not smart enough to like know what, a, you know, how to run an NHL system or what an NHL system even looks like at a whole glance. But I think what. Whoever the coach is, whether we stick with Derek King for another season or whether we go out there and we hire some guy, whoever it happens to be, two things need to happen. One, 
we need to find our identity on the ice. And that includes finding players that fit that. If that means that we have to draft some kids in the later rounds or in the early rounds that play a certain way and then go out there and find guys in free agency to complement them, or we just keep funneling through guys until we find the right fit, you know, in the NHL to complement our young core and play the system that plays to their strengths. Like we get, we have to find the balance. If we find the balance between what makes the players better and what runs well and what our players are able to do, like it, it we will win. That's, you know, no shit, Logan. If, if it all falls into place, we'll win. But that, that's that's the long and short of it. Like we need to find the personnel and the system that both work together. You cannot use all offensive guys in a very conservative sit back, wait for your pay, you know, wait patiently system, right? You have to find yeah. If if you want offense, you've you got to fit the style you want to play. Right. So I um I love defense. Like I'm a huge defensive guy, but I agree. I think that they got to embrace some sort of offensive swing the game is getting faster the game is getting way more crafty the game is like the way that the progression of the nhl's gameplay is going it is it is favoring guys like patrick kane it is favoring guys like alex to it is favoring guys um you know like connor mcdavid and but you still you know i i'm kind of you know, losing myself in my own thought. Yeah, you're like, good. Um, I just have one last thought on Derek King. Is the only thing I will say is he does have Mark Crawford next to him. Mark Crawford's older. He's very defensive. He's a very hard nosed kind of coach. He could be the one that's really implementing the defensive system here, and maybe Derek King's system would be different if he had the whole year or whatever. I'm not throwing it in. I'm very torn on Derek King. He's a very good players coach. He is very good at communicating. He's not going to be too hard on players. He's going to put players back in the lineup. He's going to sit them when they need to be sat. He's kind um, of been Kinger. Kinger's been kind of rubbing me the wrong way with some of his press conference answers. I'll be honest. I, yeah, I he, hate. I'm I hate his so press torn. conference. I hate his. I hate his press conference presence. I think yeah, it's I terrible. I'm not, I don't love them. I would I would love to see them go in a more offensive direction. There's find find some young guy. There's got to be some young coach in, like, for, college. For transition purposes, what about, like, a guy like uh, Marion Hosa who just signed a one-day contract, retired as a Blackhawks, and you saw that massive news. The first number to be retired from the one-goal era will be number 81, Marion, the demigod Hosa. That was a, that was a shock. It. I didn't expect that. I don't think anyone kind of expected him on the spot to have his number put in the rafters. It. I don't think they expected it. Um, but I mean, he's not the first at that moment. Retire. No, definitely not at the moment. I think there's a few things behind this. I think one, uh, if you saw the comments made by Hosa afterwards, where he is working with the organization to carve out a role. Now, whether or not that's a hint, maybe they do the Denny Savard thing and throw him behind the bench. Maybe they don't. Maybe they throw him up in the like top boxes next to Kyle Davidson, and maybe he gets to learn from a guy like Kyle Davidson, and maybe that's something they try to get him up there in the management roles. I'm not really sure what they're going to carve out for him, or maybe it's scouting over in the Czech and in Europe. 
who knows what it is. It's awesome that the demigods back Marion Hosa is the definition of the perfect athlete on and off the ice. I think that it's a great honor for us to even have him sign the one day contract and retire as a Blackhawk, as a fan of the organization. That was always curious to me as to where his loyalty brand, because he played in Ottawa for so long. He played in Pittsburgh, he played in Detroit. So it was nice seeing that he ultimately is a Blackhawk. He retired as a Blackhawk. The Blackhawks are doing the right thing and honoring him and raising the number 81. Uh, the one thing it does to me is it opens the door for a few things, though, as far as number of retirements. You got, like, number 28, number 24. You got 7, 2, 10, 50, 4. Like, now you're talking Larmer, all those guys. So now what do they do? Just Does that close the door on the old guys and say we're not retiring them? Or does it not? I mean, that's I, – I don't know. I – I like you mm, – this is where retiring numbers gets really sticky. I, I, I guess I'll use that word sticky because uh, you, you can't retire every, like, legendary player number like if that's the case every team would have a bazillion numbers in the rafters but at the same time you have to honor the guys that need to be honored and Marion Hosa eventually would have been honored I cannot say the same about Steve Larmer I cannot say the same about uh is Doug Gilmore's number retired yet no I don't believe so um and so on and so on I can go down the list but I don't know I don't think it closes the door entirely, but it definitely, you know, it definitely seems that the team isn't really going to be looking too far back in the history books to retire numbers anytime soon. And for maybe, me, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't really bug me. Like I'm not attached to Steve Larmer or that era of players in any yeah, way where I'm for, bummed out, but it definitely like they deserve to be honored in some capacity. I think, I don't know. Like I, I really don't know. For me, what I think it does, I think a lot of people are going to see that and be like, Oh, they retired Hosa, So now they have to go back and retire number 28. But I don't think that's really what this move shows. I think this move shows the past is the past. We're not going back. We're not going to retire number 28. It's, they're looking at it, and they're looking at championships, and that's going to be what puts your number in the rafters. And I think when it comes down to it, it's I not I don't know Starmer that well. It wasn't my generation. It's hard for me to go back and judge him. I'm looking at numbers. And YouTube videos. So for me, I don't have an emotional attachment to him. So maybe it's just that. But I think that this shows that you're now going to be looking at two. You're going to be looking at seven. I think 81 does open the door for a guy like Corey Crawford, potentially. I think it opens the door for a guy like uh, Jalmerson or Patrick Sharp talk. I don't think either one of those get done. But I think that you could look at two's going to be up in the rafters, seven's going to be up in the rafters, even if they throw Chelios on there with him. Um, 
1988's obviously in the rafters, and I think 81 has to open the door for 50. I think if 81's up there, 50 has to be up there. 50 was in the organization. Corey Crawford was in the organization longer. He won two cups. Possibly should have won the Conn Smythe in 2013 over Patrick Kane. Um, but, yeah, to me, I think this – sorry to all the older Blackhawks fans, but I think this puts a fork in the history of the Hawks in the past era, and I think that you're no longer going to see them looking at it that way. You see him cutting ties with the past and moving on from Hall and stuff like that. I think the Blackhawks are moving on and trying to build a younger crowd and hit the younger fans. And I think that, sadly to say, Lorimer is just never going to get the recognition that a lot of fans think, and his number 28 is just not going to go up in the rafters. Sucks, but, like, that's that's hockey. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's business. It does suck, and again, I just I don't have an emotional attachment to him. So, nah, and, um, but like I I understand like I I I wouldn't I wouldn't really consider Steve like Steve Larmer was a pretty key figure in the Blackhawks the grand you know history, and he was one of the best players that's ever played in the Blackhawks uniform. But I I don't even know if he his number would have been retired to begin with. It's fun to think about, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um. And then just the last few things here, uh, we'll go ahead and I wanted to talk about Lucas Reichel and Alex Vlasic. I thought Alex Vlasic actually got to play in the last game. I thought Alex Vlasic looked really good in the last game. He got like uh, 10 minutes of ice time, 10-16. He had two hits. He had that awesome pass where he carried the puck in his defensive zone. It was a perfect pass. I forget who he was. It was either Kubelik or somebody he uh Spent on that breakaway, that just beautiful tape-to-tape, two-line pass. It was awesome. I thought he looked very calm in his zone. I thought he used his size to his ability hometown, for once. Hometown um, kid, Alex Vlasic. People forget yeah, he grew up in Wilmette. Yeah. And sorry, I'm stealing. Uh, what was it? He was uh, – his dad was – not his dad. Was that his uh, uncle, right? His uncle is uh, Vlasic that played for the Sharks. His cousin is Mark Edward Vlasic. Cousin. Yes, cousin. That's what it is. But I'm stealing the Pickles nickname if uh, Alex gets there. Sorry. I Sorry, Mark Edward. I'm taking your Pickle nickname. I love Alex Vlasic. I was actually incredibly excited when we drafted him in 2019. That was probably the steal of the second round in my eyes. Like he's like, off. He, his foot, he, he's got great ice vision, and I'm actually excited to see he him. He skates get. pretty well for a big man. He's a He's not small. Like he's he's six six, two hundred pounds for for uh for an NHL player. That's that's like that's pretty big. Like he's a, he's yeah. a body defenseman. He, but he definitely to needs to fill out a little bit though. That's the only thing. He needs to put a little mass. Uh, big body, very for his size. People don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying this man's Connor McDavid and he's ripping on the ice. But for a big man, the man skates smooth. And I thought in the last game they played him a little more consistent. Ten minutes is still not enough ice time in my opinion. Um, but he thought he looked smooth. He made good breakout passes. He was calm. He had his leg out there defending when defenders were on his back hip. He was willing to use his leg to stick it out there, kind of defend the puck. Uh, he had patience. He wasn't just out there shitting bricks and chucking pucks off boards and always chipping out. He was making the right play, finding the guy. Uh, and then Lucas Reichel has been called up. Um, I have a few things. 
with Lucas Reichel. I thought that his last game, in my opinion, was his best NHL game. I thought he skated well. He played in the wing, which is interesting. Um, I don't think it's really telling. I just think that's where King felt his best opportunity was going to be. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Blackhawks see him as a winger, I don't think. The potential for him to be moved to the wing, it's 50-50 if he's an NHL center or not. I'm not really sure. I've watched him a little bit in the minors. But I did like his game. Played with a lot of confidence, patience. I like the fact that he tried to toe-drag those two defenders, even though he went right into the middle of them. I like that he was using his skill. He wasn't scared. I thought he was willing to shoot the puck. He had two shots, 15 minutes and four seconds of ice time, had a block, had the one takeaway, no giveaways, looked very good in his defensive zone, made a few nice passes. Was negative too, but it's not really his fault in my opinion. I thought Lucas Reichel looked good. Uh, I was just kind of curious in your thoughts, what you thought about him. I think he looks good. Like I, I, I'm not quick to judge a prospect. Uh, until I kind of see them play more games. Even then, I, I like Lucas Reichel's game. I've loved Lucas Reichel's game even prior to him playing in the NA, any time in the NHL. Like, gonna be a stud. He's he's a type of player where fans are going to love him because he's going to be on the score sheet a lot. And that doesn't mean he's going to score a lot of goals, but his name is going to be talked about a lot because he is going to facilitate a lot of play. He is going to have to, he is a, he's got great ice vision. He's got a great pass. Uh, I mean, this kid's good. I'm excited. And even though he had, uh, he hasn't scored anything, but you know, it he's due. I think down the stretch because he's called up. He'll get one burn, here. You know, he'll definitely get one here. Uh, uh, he had what, a few good looks. Whether they too. burn the first year of his ELC or not, I was, I, I was just gonna bring this up. I actually wrote an article. I think it's better for Chicago. It's gonna sound wild. It's gonna be wild. I think they should burn the first year. Hear me out. You burn this year, right? And then you're able to extend him after next season, right? Well, wait, do I have that right? Or is it one more year? Yeah, because they can no, ex- right. it's after next season because they can extend Alex to bring it and Patrick Kane this year, and then they could extend him the year after. So you could extend him after his rookie contract or his rookie year, which would be next year, like probably foreseeably yeah. he's going to be in the NHL next year. I mean, he's a stud point per game in the minors. They put him back down in the minors. I think that's a bad move. Um, so I mean, he's going to He's going to get sent back down. I think for uh, the playoff Rock, run. Rockford, yeah, for sure. Rockford's got a pretty good chance to win it all. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So uh, I don't know about win it all. They're going to make the playoffs for sure. But um, but anyway, so you get a player on a rookie year. He's going to struggle. He's not going to put up big points. He's going to have games where he looks bad. And you can get a guy, and you can extend him off of his rookie year, and you potentially get a bridge contract. Versus if you don't use it up and you have to give him his rookie year next year, he struggles a little bit. Sophomore year, potentially he comes in, hits his stride, like let's say a Jack Hughes, and now you're looking and you're paying a guy big money for long term because he already put up 60 points, 50 points. And now I'm projecting Lucas Reichel super high. This is obviously if his career goes perfect and year two of his NHL career, he's at 50, 60 points. It's going to cost the Hawks a lot more money than if they burn the year this year and 
sign him. Obviously, that's only if he does come and light the league on fire. If he doesn't light the league on fire, it's irrelevant his, in my opinion. His contract season, his last year of his three-year deal, is the same season that we are going to need to re-sign Henry well, Borkstrom. Possibly, I'm just I'm just going through cap friendly. Uh, yeah, that only really depends if they that's if they burn that contract this year. Right. So they, obviously, yeah. So I'm slide it like, back one more year, though. You know yeah. what I mean. And even then, he would be. I think he he would be the only free agent aside from Jake McCabe that we would have that season. You know that with the hard thing to project though for that is the Alex Brinkett contract. The Patrick Kane contract if he comes back. Jonathan Taze if he comes back. There's, That's the hard thing to project right there. I the looked at that formatting. Earlier. The formatting of the contracts. Of the recent signings, I should Davidson say. Davidson has an open slate. D- Davidson's got a really good opportunity to set the cap up. Th- this is perfect. Next season, after next season, I think uh, the cap will probably go up another $2 million, $3 million maybe if, if revenue's up. Whoa. It only went what up. It goes a, up $1 million It only went up a buck year. and a half. Or, or, or it's only going a up a mil next year. Yeah, it's going so up a what, mil next year. and a half, right? Or eight, yeah, 80, somewhere 80, right around there. They get see the caps are relevant for the Hawks next year, though. It really is. It's your the Hawks aren't looking for cap. That's where I think, like, if you look at it, right? It's Chicago's got to do whatever they can to get Lucas Reichel. And again, this is projecting him as the stud that we all want him to be. Like this isn't saying if he takes the Kirby Doc route and then you this contract talks irrelevant. But if he does break out, you want a bridge contract. You don't want a Jack Hughes. I mean, Jack Hughes's contract might look like a steal in some years, but I mean Lucas Reichel's not Jack Hughes. That's just the guy I'm using because it was the most no, recent yeah, guy right. to sign a contract. I mean, you but, also side note, Jack Hughes. That holy shit, he's good. Stud. It sucks that he. Stud. I'm so sad that he got hurt. I love Jack. Oh. Dude, all the young Americans are going down like flies. Clayton Keller, Jack Hughes, they're all just flying around getting hurt. I almost want to sit out to bring it, man. It sucks. Yeah, but see, I just think that if if you're able to burn his contract here, I think it gives. And again, I could just be. Looking at this as uh, armchair or what's that armchair uh, arm GM, GM, and maybe I'm overthinking it, and I'm trying to maneuver as much cap space as I possibly can get. But I think burning a year gives Davidson more room to negotiate because you're negotiating with a guy coming off his rookie year who should theoretically struggle at times because it's the rookie year in the NHL. Yeah, but that's just I'm, me. I, I'm interested. Not to get too into it, because oh, we can a lot of season. We, we do not need I'm, to talk games. I, I'm interested, not even game. I'm interested to see what kind of deal Davidson hands to Doc, because he is $2 due. Million. He's a free agent this season. Two years, two million dollars. Three years, two million dollars. Can't get much. He hasn't done much. He I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying he's. I'm not alluding to me. Like this isn't me alluding into into a hot take where I think he deserves ten million dollars. God no, not even close. But I, I mean, Kirby Doc's gonna be here a while. Why not? If you have the ability to lock him in for seven years, four million, Kirby, six years, Kirby four Doc and a half, doesn't do that. I I don't think Kirby he Doc will either. Like, 
I, I wouldn't sign it if I were Kirby Doc, but you've got you've got to be thinking it, you know, Davidson's gotta be thinking. I, I guarantee you Davidson ahead. will throw. Davidson will try to throw something like that and try to lock him in at like that third line center kind of money for long term and be like, hey, look, you haven't performed. Kirby Doc's gonna tell him to F off and be like, I'm gonna take a two-year deal, I'm gonna bet on myself, or I'm gonna take a one-year deal if you're gonna be like that, Kyle Davidson. I think ultimately Kirby Doc's looking at a two to three year deal from two to three and a half million dollars. I don't think he could I would, look for much I, more. Than I that. think I think he could get a four by four. I would pay, I would be comfortable. As a if okay, I was a general here. manager, I just, would be just numbers. Hold on. Take take the name Kirby Doc and take the third third overall pick pedigree out. You're telling me 149 games played, 18 goals, 39 assists, 57 points, and a negative 19. Yeah, I'm not paying him four million dollars. You take, you take, I love Kirby. I do. And I actually even had notes You're getting in here. so much more than... I, li- I literally points. have notes in here. Doc's D game is improving, showing growth in the neutral zone and defensive zone. I was going to bring that up in what the if pop, he turns, but he brought up the money. Can, can you it's imagine just, this kid turns into a Ryan O'Reilly when he's 24 and we have him locked in for $4 million? I just don't... I, I don't see where that happens because I don't see where Kirby Doc doesn't bet on himself. If Kirby, here's the thing. If Kirby Doc is willing to take that deal, then I'm seriously concerned about Kirby Doc because that means he has no confidence in himself. And Kirby Doc's at his best when he's confident and he had swagger. Think about him in the bubble and when he was on spitting chiclets. And now think about him this year and last year. He's deleting social media. He has no confidence. He can't even read. He doesn't want to know what people are thinking about him. That's not the Kirby Doc we drafted. We drafted this dude that was on spitting chiclets talking about Stevie Y t- asking him about smoking joints. Like he, he needs his confidence. So to me, if he's not betting on himself, I think that Kirby Doc's development may have been permanently stinted and we're looking at a third line center then. And, and that's questionable if he's a center because he can't win a face off. So I think that regardless, Kirby Doc bets on himself, takes a two or three year deal, and that'll be that. It, it could be a one year deal. Kirby Doc could say, F off. I'm only taking a one year deal. I'm going to show you that I want that six year deal, that seven year deal, and I'm going to go out and perform. That there's would so be much, the response I'd want. There's but, so much hockey to develop in front of him and in front of the Blackhawks. He's so young. He's so and, 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 young. And I'm, not, I'm not even talking about like his age, I'm talking like more in the immediate. There's so much hockey left in the season. For him to kind of break out in the next eleven games, I don't necessarily anticipate it. Oh, he could, crazy! He could he could definitely get himself to four million dollars if I, per se he course. had five goals. But and I just don't. They just got shut out twice in a week. You think he's going to score goals? I can't. The team can't score, let alone Kirby Doc. I mean, all I'm saying is there's a lot to happen before contract negotiations are going to be in full swing with him, and depending on how the team looks at draft time in the, in the summer and, you know, after the off season a little bit and after the next 11 games, 11 or somewhere between 10 and 12, I forget how many we have exactly, but uh, there's a lot that that's going to come into play for his contract. So I'm not, I I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think he does get something like a two, three year deal, two and a half, three, maybe $4 million in that range bridge deal we stick around and hopefully well, i think the longest deal he would out. get 
would push him to 26, which would be a five-year deal. Because I think Kyle Davidson's not going to give him a UFA at the end of this next contract. No. I think he's going to no. be an RFA regardless at the end of this next contract. And again, I, I just think that Kirby Dock himself isn't going to take a long deal because he hasn't performed as well as he thinks he should. He, he, I hope he thinks he should perform better than that. Um, but one guy I am interested to see what he gets. Dylan freaking Strom, 20 goals. This kid is unreal. Please sign Dylan Strom, Kyle Davidson. I think sign he Dylan gets Strom. another. I, I don't think he gets more than four years. I, I, Dobby, just sign him. One year, two years. I don't care what you do. Sign this kid. Like If you go and you trade him his rights in the offseason, I might riot. I might fly up to Chicago well, and I, knock on Kyle Davidson's door. I'll say this. This is the exact same scenario as the Brandon Hagel story or any other trade that has happened. You have to get maximum value. You cannot. And pardon me for being crass. You cannot fuck up any more trades. Like you do not have room to not get every ounce of of value out of any player you trade. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, uh, Dylan Strome, Kirby Doc. Any player that, that yeah, like... Hold on, hold on. Forget this trade talk. Why are we talking about trading a guy who at the beginning of the year for, what, the first 11 because years... We're rebuilding, compared, because we're but, rebuilding. Because we're rebuilding. He's young. He's young, my dude. I know, but, like, you He's can't... He's young. You can't... You can't. He's almost a point per game player. I understand Dude, he's almost he's a said, point per game player, and it's you know great. he has forty three points in fifty eight games in the first eleven games of the year. I'm he was looking, treated like absolute dog crap, and he played in the bottom line. He didn't do nothing. This man has been a point per game for like three months. I so know he has. And I man. love him. I love him, and I hope he stays. And I hope he gets paid by the Blackhawks. And what are you, what are you getting for? What are you getting for his rights? A second round pick. I don't want that second round pick for Dylan Strom. You can get you're a roster getting... spot, dude. You're get if you're giving up a point per game player and the rights to to negotiate contract with him. Then who's playing? Getting... With... But you got to think about this then. Then who's playing with a Dylan or who's playing with a Lucas Reichel? Who's playing with Alex Debrinkit? Patrick Kane might not be back. Jonathan Taze might not be back. You can't just blow up the roster if you're going to do that. If you're going to do all I'm trade Alex Debrinkit. The narrative cannot be. Young player performs well. We have to build around him because if we don't, we're screwed. Because that is so, not how the NHL so, works. Come on. So I'm just curious if you're telling me the Blackhawks could trade a second or third round pick and acquire a young 25 year old center who's just below a point per game right now for this roster, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't trade away a draft pick to get a 25 year old center that's almost point per game. I, I for the rebuild personally for the rebuild I would trade away a second round pick to get a Dylan Strom who's only twenty five so trading away a Dylan Strom for a second round pick doesn't help the rebuild because like, you're trading away a young, I'm not going to disagree with the, you when you frame it like that I I the Brandon I don't Hagel know. Like, made sense if you get two first and two roster players it makes sense but Dylan Strom's value isn't that because. No one knows that this is just who another. Said, flash who says we pan. don't? Who says we don't do a one for one with someone? Like there's a lot of any. There's a lot of guys in a similar position as Dylan Strome nah, that have a I'm similar point doing, production. I'm done doing one for ones. We got Dylan Strome in a one for one. We got rid of Henry Yoki Haru. We turned Henry Yoki Haru into Sam Lafferty doing one v ones. If I don't want another Sam Lafferty, okay, I love Sam Lafferty. He's great for the fourth line. We don't need more. I Sam don't. Lafferty's. I don't want another Sam Lafferty either. I. I I'm not, and I'm not saying like. The black. I'm not 
I'm not just, team trade Dylan Strom. All I'm just, saying is the if, the, if if Kyle Davidson is going down the route of rebuilding and we need pieces for the future and we're able to get max value for a guy that's proven himself and Dylan Strom is the tastiest of tasty trade trade pieces. Are you telling me if you're the GM of any team that's, that, that's like on the cusp of going to the playoffs, you get a call. It's it's the you get a call from your secretary in the office one day. Hey, Yarmo Kekalainen, your secretary here at the at the Columbus Black Columbus Blue Jackets front office. Kyle Davidson from the Blackhawks is on the line. He wants to talk about Dylan Strome. You're salivating at the mouth when you hear that because you want to. I don't think they are. want him. I don't think they are because think about this. He's not signed, so you have to sign him, which means you're not getting a low money deal because if. Chicago is not signing Dylan Strome. That means he wants $5 million plus, which means his value is lower. So now you're back into getting like a second no, round. I mean, third that, round pick. that's true, but there's still I think like, if they were going to trade him, it would have been at the deadline. Cause that's when his value was the most, he was at the same pace. Like his value was where it's at. Like, he hasn't changed since the deadline. He's continued. right. His value hasn't dropped. I think it's dropped. Because I don't now think his value a... drops. I don't think his value drops. Much. I do like, even because I don't know. Think about this. He went from being, per se, for purposes, a point-per-game $3 million player, which at the deadline was really a million-and-a-half-dollar player. And now he's going to be a point-per-game maybe player who has struggled to be consistent throughout his NHL career, and now you're going to have to pay him more than $3 million, obviously. So you're, you're, you're also th- This also like proves the point that the Blackhawks have every right to trade him because of that. The Blackhawks have every right so. to trade him because See, of I think, his inconsistency. Like but, you're, so you're going back. You're gonna, and, but if you're going to trade him, then sign him to a one-year deal and trade him at the deadline. Don't trade him in the offseason because you're not getting no value. Because right, team, but you're, you're, it's an RFA. You're signing a guy's. You're trading your rights. Think about all the no, times you I, see I, I, um, the Blackhawks either keep Strom right. or they don't. They don't keep him around and use him as a rental until like it doesn't. That doesn't make sense. I, I can easily not, see them sign him a one-year deal because he's an RFA. Dylan Strome doesn't have any rights. He has um, right. arbitration rights. Which no, I know, I, I, I know that, but I'm saying the Blackhawks signed him to a one-year deal and he goes back to his production in 2020. And then, then they just shot themselves in the foot. No, like, then you either trade or extend it to deadline. It's not that bad. That, if anything, right, that's You're not getting max value then. You're not getting max value then because his max you're value max was value. peaking here. No, you get max value because no, you're if, not. Clear. If, if you're trading him at the deadline next year, that means he's still at a point per game, which means he's going to get paid big bucks, which means you don't want to pay him big but, bucks because you already signed Alex Brinkett and you've already signed Seth Jones, which I means another team because he's only going to be at like $4 million next year. So that means you could trade him at the deadline for more, the same value he would have been this year at the deadline. He's more valuable when he has contract behind him than when he's an RFA. So when he's an RFA, the team has to sign him. So you don't have the value of the contract. You're just trading his rights to con- to sign him. You know what I mean? I, I'm not I, giving up a first. To no, I know you're Trump. right. Like, I, I know you're right. It just, it doesn't, I, to me, it doesn't make sense. I think I, really, I want to, I think, I think they opinion. keep him and they sign him and they keep him for long term. I want a four by four. Or they get rid of him this summer. I don't think there's an in-between and either way. I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah. losing Dylan Strome as long as like a four by four would be great. I love four a four by, by four. four. That's what I want. Four uh, by four. But the question is, is Dylan Strome signed the four by four? Kyle Davidson would chuck that thing at him. I would think so. Yeah. He, he, Kyle Davidson would take a four by four signing by Dylan Strome to the face every day. Like what? That's yeah. a, that's a steal. But yeah. 
I'm I'm only making the point that if Davidson decides that he's able to get enough like that, that's all I'm saying. If he can get the value, I'm about it. But I'm not. And and that's what I'm saying. I'm not team trade Dylan Strome because we don't team side Strome. I'm team do whatever it is the hell we're going to do with Dylan Strome because we haven't made a like planting my flag. Like we haven't that you're okay. The team has not, the team has not used him well enough. And the team has not been very clear with what they want out of Dylan Strome. There's been so many times where we've heard he's not on the trade block. He's going to be here for a while. There's been times where we heard he's on the trade block. He's on his way out. And he's been in this limbo, like pick your poison and run with it. If you're going to sign him, get a good deal. Make sure he knows his expectations coming into this contract and make sure he he follows through with what he play with, with his, you know, continues down this point per game, almost point per game pace. Or if you're going to trade him, get everything you fucking can back. That's all I'm saying. Pick your poison and run with it and like do it right. Don't just don't don't Six. sign like if so, you're going to sign him, sign him long term. Don't give him a one year deal. If you're going to trade him, get everything you can back. Here's that's, my, my that's last it. statement for Seinstrom. Since January, he has played in 38 games. The Hawks have been shit. And he has 36 points since January. And he's only like a negative two over that time on a shit Hawks team. Sign Dylan Strong. I know. I, that's I'm my not, flag. Like, I agree. Yes. Sign him. Yes. Like. Uh, that's that's the last thing. I just want to stick my flag in that. I just know that that we're I mean, who cares if they win or lose at this point. We don't even have our first overall pick, um, so I could care less about that. I just want to see Lucas Reichel grow. I want to see Alex Vlasic play more than ten minutes. Absolutely outlandish that that man's not playing more than ten minutes. But um, yeah, I don't have much more. We covered everything for now. The Hawks go into. Uh, who do they play here on Sunday? Dallas, right? Yeah, yeah Dallas. They play Dallas. Play. It's at home, too, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Dallas at home at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, So, a little early start for Chicago. It would be 6 p.m. in Chicago. So, hopefully they can show up and maybe score a goal. Yeah, it would be nice. Nice to see, see some point production here. Um, you got any last thoughts here, Logan? Rock chalk, baby. We're national champions. That's like the one positive thing in my in like my sports world right now. The Cubs, the Cubs season just started, and I'm not very hey one and zero, baby. One and zero. The the Bulls, they're 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 gonna make the playoffs, but I don't know if they're go far. The Jayhawks are the one positive sports thing in my life right now. So rock chalk, go Blackhawks. Sign Dylan Strom. Get the max value if you trade him. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't have much positive on the Blackhawks side. Uh, Suzuki looked good in the one game he played for the Cubbies, so that's good. They just paid that man a lot of money. Hopefully he comes over here and does what he did. I'm I'm excited for that guy. I I love, for whatever reason, and this is kind of like the same with the Blackhawks, whenever my teams sign some overseas guy to a contract and he comes over and plays, I always fall in love with that player. Like Dominic Cahoon, to me, was my favorite import. You love Dominic Kubalik. I loved, I loved Dominic Kubalik. I still like right him. now though. No, not oh, right now. God. I actually think he's terrible. He makes right me now. want to pull my fucking teeth out, dude. This guy, he just 
He looks he, like he's got this big, swole body, and he plays like a freaking pillow on the ice. He's, not, he's scared of contact. He's not willing to use his body. Yeah, not Dominic willing to Kubelik. shoot. Dude, he sucks. Like, Kubelik I, is not. about it, he has everything. He has everything to be a 30-plus goal scorer in this freaking league. And he He's plays, got a great shot. He's got big body. Oh, he's got good ice vision. He can crash the net. Unreal he's, shot. He, he's, 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 got, he, he's got really good under-the-net game control. Like, that was his bread and butter in the Czech League or whatever. I think it was the Czech League before he came over. His specialty, like, all of, when the season that he was the leading goal scorer in the league, and got to wear that cool like fire helmet that uh, they yeah. do over there. A lot of his goals came below the dots, came below like in the low slot. Like he's a greasy, sneaky player, and he he. But he's also got a wicked rifle. I don't know. He's got to find something because I'm not too happy with. I he is not the example of the European import well, signing let me, let me that I you, fall in I love can, with anymore. I can give you a stat right here that just shows you what his problem is this year, right? He has played the most games out of all his years, right? 70 games played this year, 56 the year before, 68 the year before that. And his shots on goal, his rookie year, 157. His next year, 156. And this year, and the most games played, he has 146 because he can't hit the freaking net. He misses the net every time he shoots the puck. And then in the middle of the season, he didn't even shoot the puck for like a month, dude. He just looked off everything. It's Dominic Kubelik is the most frustrating person in the world. I wish I would have traded him. I honestly don't care if they just let him walk like they did Pia Suter. I would rather Pia Suter. Like, we should have gone back and we should have let Kubelik walk and we should have yeah. kept Suter. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. Pia Suter, another example of a European player that I love. I love Pia Suter. Think of how nice he would have been on the third line center. That's uh, I'm I'm salty about that. Still, we got that. That's oh, a picture. Of this Lucas Reichel in the middle with Pia Suter on the third line. If Kirby Doc works out in the middle, no. If not, Dylan Strom's your second line center. Kirby Doc gets moved to the wing, and you have a three line center punch of uh, Lucas Reichel, Dylan Strom, and Pia Suter. You can throw whoever on the fourth line. You have a good center core. Like it's just unbelievable what they did there. That's just. You got caught up in a freaking shot, Stambo. I mean, you saw a guy with a hard shot, and you went, let me keep him around. Let me not keep the good two-way forward that can facilitate and pay make. It's just, oh, it's just Kubelik's the most frustrating, frustrating. player. I, lo- I loved him, too, his first year. 30 goals, fire in the puck. Like, I, I get that we're not using him I, on the I was, play, but. I was gassed up when Kubelik scored 30 goals that season. I knew he was going to score 30 goals. because I In like, the argument? That I was just about to make, too, about not using him on the power play. It's irrelevant. He only had four power play goals his rookie year, four power play goals the next year, and he has three this year. So it's not the power play time that's not getting him goals. Like, it's it, – that that name just got me heated. Dominic Kubelik. <laughs> oh. All right, dude, I guess we can, that, we can that's just, just kick it that, there, that's yeah. just That just sums up the Blackhawks' recent that sums up the year. seasons. Oh. Yeah, that's some stuff since 2015, man. Since since the first round of 2016 versus Nashville. What well, was it 2016 one. or I, I thought that yeah, was 17. Yeah, we got swept. No, it was 2016. It was the it was the 16-17 playoffs because the 17-18 yeah. season was the first time we missed it since 
prior to the cup runs. Yeah, I wonder if I'm saying that. Maybe that's just, is that the 16 playoffs or the 17 playoffs? That's it's the playoffs of the 2016-17 season. I know for a fact uh, that's when it is. I know we're we're talking we're thinking yeah. the same year. Yeah, uh, it's a sweep by Nashville. Oh, I'm getting off here. Forget this. Now we're now I'm getting sad. It's 11 <laughs> in the morning and I want a beer. Forget this, dude. Anyway, hopefully the Blackhawks can turn it around and get a good game against the Dallas Stars. Give me a win, maybe a Patrick King goal. I'm calling a Patrick King goal. That's what I'm doing. I'll call I'm Patrick I'll, King. I'll uh I'll say Dylan Strom. No, let me think about this. I think I think we get a two point night out of Dylan Strom. Like that, I'll say a Patrick King goal and uh, Seth Jones assist on that Patrick King goal. I like that. I love that. All right. Well, that'll do it for us at Cue the Dagger. Thank you for listening.